Well, everybody, I am super thrilled to be here. I'm Dr. Jeff Brown, your host of the Merge Medical Podcast. I'm joined today by my co-host, Dr. Jeff Cole and Jason Scher. He is the COO of Vita Group. Vita Group takes a medical device from napkin sketch to commercialization. Jason has almost two decades of medical device sales experience. Uh, he has taken two successful medical device exits to multi multi-million dollar exits uh, through Johnson & Johnson. Uh, Jason, we're so glad you're here. There's so much synergy between Merge Medical and Vita Group. We're glad to welcome you as a partner. Uh, welcome aboard, Jason. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dr. Cole, Dr. Brown. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jason, I'll, why don't I just start out with what we mentioned briefly a second ago, just when I first met you, we started talking in 2022. I peeked back at the at the deck that you sent me, and um, it just seems like you guys have grown to twice the size since then, and you've, you've got other units opening. And so uh, just to help myself and everybody else looking at this, maybe you just describe the structure of your business and what are the different uh, components that make up your vertical? Sure. Yeah, so we are the largest private medical device manufacturer in the state of Minnesota. We have 150,000 square feet of manufacturing space. We have four locations. We have over 100 employees. What makes us super unique and the competitive advantage that we have is we have rapid prototyping capabilities in-house. We have regulatory in-house. We have dye mold capabilities and uh, revisions of dye molds in-house so we can turn them around really, really quickly instead of waiting for overseas manufacturers. And then we have our own contract manufacturing. We manufacture for 70 plus medical device companies um, of a variety of different products. And then we also do sterilization in-house, which is super unique. Uh, no one has all the capabilities that we have. And then we also have our own uh, W2 sales team. So we kind of uh, uh, can come in and insert ourselves in as a plug and play or an adjunct to any type of medical device company or perhaps a startup at any point in the process to help them out bring a product to commercialization. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know anything else like this where you can take an idea, take an idea and it's literally being used on the patient with one entity. I've never one heard entity. of something like this. Can you tell yeah, can you tell us how that got put together? Yeah, so it it just came out of my frustration of working in the space. You know, I was lucky enough to be a part of uh, a couple of different exits. Um, by no means was I was I a part of the negotiations, but I was uh, a part of the teams that got acquired and I I made some pennies. And with my pennies, I decided to make my own medical devices. I contracted with a number of R&D companies here in town. I realized really quickly that they wanted to R&D for two or three years at a time. They didn't want to do it in one or two months. And the reason is, is because they made no money if they did it in a couple months. Um, so I went to one of my VP of engineering, Rich Thompson, and I said, hey, Let's create something better, faster, quicker in the medical device environment. And uh, voila, you know, Vita Group was born. We have 31 projects in incubation. We have 10 projects that we've bought into, that we provided funding into. And then we have four medical device projects that are uh, FDA cleared and being used in the medical space right now. 
I realized really quickly I was spending a lot of money on regulatory. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to hire on my own regulatory team in-house. I then realized I spent a lot of money on dye molds and tooling, uh, bought a dye mold shop and bought a contract manufacturing shop. And then I realized really quickly that I, I was, uh, you know, I had all this, all this uh, um, inventory and all this product made. And I was beholden to the sterilization houses within Minnesota. And so I decided to spend a couple mil and, you know, uh, acquire my own sterilization. So now everything can be done in house. Don't need to wait on anyone. And literally our, you know, uh, Vita group has been born out of pure pain, suffering and frustration of working with other people. That's, I mean, that's a simple, <laughs> simple fact of it is. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, what I, I remember some discussion around that, that physician who's got a great idea. It's on a napkin and, you know, where does he turn? And yep. you talking about how you guys really don't intend to make a lot of profit at that stage, which I think is very unique. It's very compelling. And for somebody who, um, you know, might be prepared to put quite a bit of money into a project, they'd love not to spend every dime they've got on on that first regulatory piece. So can you describe how that works? Yeah. So what we we pride ourselves on the beginning phases of of getting people to that quick um, decision if this medical device is going to be a great device. So our medical device incubation period is a five month process. We charge five to $10,000 per month for those five months. We meet weekly. Our uh, goal in house is to provide a slide deck every single week to provide a video or pictures every single week and to provide rapid prototypes every single week. That doesn't exist right now with other R&D firms, and we pride ourselves in, on offering that. In the five months, what, what does the inventor or physician get? They get IP, uh, so they get patent analysis. They get a COGS analysis. They get regulatory analysis. They get rabbit prototypes every single week. And then we bundle it all up into a nice business plan and the point is of that is that we give them all five of these things into their business plan that then they can decide and make the informed decision of saying hey this is something here i'd like to pursue this and and make a company out of this or perhaps you know what it's not worth it uh thank you for doing my rapid prototype i learned enough um about the business and you know it perhaps just doesn't make sense so we provide a very cost efficient way of realizing uh, a physician's dream. So <clears throat> I want to make sure I understand it, it sounds so I'm an anesthesiologist and every anesthesiologist has some type of airway device in their sure. head. Always. All of us. In fact, we're working on one now with another company. I yep. could come to you and say, Jason, I've got this idea. I'm not going to spend more than $50,000 to determine if this is going to work or give me an idea if it's going to work and I'm going to have IP prototypes and a business plan. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, um, we will do the just a, a small caveat there. So with the IP analysis, we won't give you the IP. We'll let the physician file their own IP. The, the IP will be owned by the physician. That's super mm -hmm. important from our aspect. You guys want to protect the IP from your perspective. From mm -hmm. our perspective, we'll give you um, our patent attorney um, does a lot of litigation in the market and he will provide an aggressive uh, patent analysis and a defensive patent analysis, meaning perhaps you should consider uh, going on a couple of aggressive patents where you're perhaps missing or perhaps on the defensive end. But yeah, to your um, uh, what you just described, 100%. We will provide this nice little package for you of, of what we can, what, you know, what we IP, COGS, regulatory, rapid prototyping, and a business plan to you. If you're already down the pathway, let's say that you're already down to phase two or phase three, we have physicians come to us all the time that say, hey, we've gotten as far as what we think. We're looking at a contract manufacturer now. Someone needs to make our device. And so we'll pick up and um, at that point in time in the project's uh, development cycle, and we'll provide a proposal if need be at that point. And just for those that are listening that may have an idea, I can't stress enough how important it is to do the proper patent search before you spend money because companies will file patents on something they've not spent anything on. And I've literally seen it happen. And I've helped with some patent uh, uh, searches on some other companies I'm involved with, and you'll see them develop things or develop patents on things they haven't developed and sadly companies go and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars then the company shows up and says hey i've got a patent on this and you're an infringement of my on my my patent so it's very important that you do this um i've never seen anything like what you've got it's remarkable i, I can't wait to unpack all of it um that's fascinating it really Thanks. is yeah, yeah from the patent perspective if i may jump in quick dr cole i mean the patent perspective is um, a lot of the times, um, you know, we have, <laughs> we'll have doctors come to us all the time and they'll say, hey, should I file a patent first or should I go through development? Mm -hmm. I'll give you a story of my own pain and suffering first before we go through anyone else, because that's what right. I can talk to um, very easily. I decided that I had a great idea, great invention, filed the patent, paid the $14,000 and then started paying the 2K per uh, country. I started paying all the other fees, right? You add up, it gets to be 150K plus of dollars, right? That you pay out the door. And we get all the way to manufacturing, right? Get all the way to our DFM files, designed for manufacturing files. Okay, we realize we can't make the thing. It's impossible. Like we can't make it the way that I have my patent. Right. Wow. So then what we had to do, I go back to my patent attorney and I say, hey, what do I do now? And he's like, oh, it's file a new patent. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, can speak to my my personal pain and suffering that I've had to pay the patent fees twice now for one particular product. Um, so there is a lesson learned there. It's not always beneficial to file your mm -hmm. patent right away because you might discover stuff along the way that either mm -hmm. there's a new way of doing it, a better mm -hmm. way of doing it, new materials, new sciences, or perhaps uh, there's new manufacturing methods. Good advice. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Well, it's nice to hear that, that 
you can be a plug and play company for other smaller incubators and people that, that may have ideas at different stages where they can, they can hop in wherever it makes, makes sense. We may yeah. have some referrals for you, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we have, uh, uh, we have large companies that come to us that want us to do, um, a lot of the beginning phases, right? Uh, phase zero and phase one, a lot of concept uh, development, a lot of rapid prototyping. Um, we'll have large companies will get a little overwhelmed by us because we provide so many rapid prototypes to the point that they can't meet fast enough to, to review the prototypes of how, much, how fast we're pushing them out, which is uh, hilarious. Um, you know, for the individual inventor, physician, or startup medical device company, I think we provide a, li- a great adjunct uh, to what they already have. They don't want to spend a lot of money on a huge, massive facility, a lot of machines, uh, you know, the, the salaries for a number of employees. Uh, so we can be a really nice plug and play that's very reasonable. Um, and, and again, we get really fast. Well, I want to know a little bit more about you personally, Jason. I, I've got your your some of your material here. All I know is that you're this awesome, successful guy with 20 years successful medical startup experience, and we're glad we're talking to you. So, tell me about tell us about you a little bit. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I grew up in a small uh, house in White Bear Lake. I was the oldest, uh, go figure, of uh, three brothers and a sister. My dad is a retired police officer. My mom worked for the state of Minnesota. Um, very humble background. Um, I remember having to pay for my own hockey skates growing up uh, here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I then um, was very successful in hockey and soccer. I ended up getting a soccer uh, scholarship, uh, if you will, to a small private Christian college called Gustavus Adolphus here in Minnesota. Um, I was the president of my fraternity. I uh, ran, I was the president of our ultimate Frisbee team. And then right after college, what was uh, super cool is uh, my wife or my girlfriend at that time, my wife and I moved to Colorado to be ski bums. Um, nice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I uh, decided to work for uh, Abercrombie & Fitch as an assistant store manager. I decided to, in Boulder, which is uh, uh, an experience in itself. I can only uh, tell you the PC side of that. Um, I worked for United Airlines, uh, traveling quite a bit and my younger, and then I had a really defining moment in my career. I met these guys out for cocktails and they were rolling up in very nice vehicles. And I asked them what they did for a living. And they said they worked in medical device. And so I told them I wanted to be uh, doing what they did. Um, After a year and a half of trying to get into the medical device field from United Airlines, um, it was very, very difficult. I finally got the awesome opportunity from a gentleman, uh, Steve Sullivan, out of Arizona. And he, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I have a job for you, but you're not going to like the location. I'm a Minnesota boy. I'm from the north. I like my woods and lakes, uh, minus mosquitoes. But he's like, hey, you can, uh, you can move to Tucson, Arizona. 
And I was like, well, no one else is giving me a job. I'll, I'll take it. Moved down there, had seven different product lines, was really successful. Um, got the opportunity a couple years later to move up to Colorado again. Was there for six years, super successful. And then I got the opportunity to move. Um, uh, Olympus had bought out Gyrus ACMI at that point in time. Uh, when I was in Colorado and I got the opportunity to move up to Northern New England and the project that uh, I was privy to be a part of is they were going to make me the first multi rep in the country where I had surgical endoscopy, I had energy and I got options to sell a bunch of other uh, divisions. What was super cool about that is I, I did very, very well for myself and got to run a small team, moved back to Minnesota. And then um, our CEO passed away, unfortunately, from a bee sting. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> and it's just super unfortunate. Uh, Luke Calcraft, um, great guy, spent some time with him in Puerto Rico, um, with him and his family, but yeah, great guy. And um, unfortunately with his passing away, all of upper management changed. Um, at that point in time, I decided to go and find something else. I was a decade at Olympus. Uh, it's time to find something else. And uh, I was approached by a really cool uh, group of guys um, that they went into struggling medical device companies. Um, they turned them around as fast as they possibly could. And they and they tried to make a penny and, and sell them. Um, they had been successful a couple of previous times to me joining. I joined uh, New Wave Medical and within a very short period of time, ended up selling the company. So that's my first taste of an exit. And then uh, lucky enough, I was called a couple of years later to be a part of Aris uh, Health, uh, founded by Dr. Fred Mole. And yeah, within a very short period of time, um, that company was sold and I was just fortunate enough to be a part of that group too. Um, so that, that's, my, that's my origin story. Awesome. Now, New Wave, did they do, uh, was that a spinal cord stimulator device? What did no, they use? Yes, yeah, so New Wave was a microwave ablation device that had some software target um, capabilities. And what it would do is you would put it into uh, liver, kidney, uh, bone, or lung. And you would uh, plan the case to try and create margin, uh, a burn around mm. the lesion um, I see. metastatic or primary i got you awesome journey yeah well how about the other divisions what uh, what can we talk about briefly there whether it be manufacturing or the in the newer purchase of the sterilization yeah processing yeah so contract manufacturing what's fun about our uh capabilities is that currently we um are building out our space here in our brand new facility. Again, as mentioned, we have four locations. One is our current uh, manufacturing space. It's about 37,000 square feet. Where I'm at today is our new headquarters. It's uh, almost 70,000 square feet of space with an additional 70,000 of add-on green space. Um, our, our facility here, what's going to be great about that is we're going to have about 9,000 uh, square feet of I-7 clean room. We're going to have about 4,000 square feet of I-8 um, clean room, so um, white room uh, packaging uh, area. Um, and we can do anything from 
sub-assemblies to full assembly um, and sterile packaging, the, the, what kind of sets us apart is um, a lot of the times customers will come to us that are having manufacturing problems and they'll want a, a complete just file transfer of their current DFM files and they want to get set up as quickly as possible because they're having some type of problem with their CM currently. So what we can do is that we can take on that file and with our team, we can turn around to create production ready product in about 30 days to 60 days. Um, why are we so quick and why are we so fast? Um, we do have an abundant um, amount of engineers on staff that can jump right in, that can be a part of the process. We have our owners that are very much a part of the process. When I was um, going through other contract manufacturers in town here, the biggest problem I'd have all the time is um, the, the owners would tell me X, Y, and Z. Well, then it would start going down the production process and it would take forever. And the owner wasn't involved in the production process, which was a huge problem when you actually start talking about the brass tacks about it's being made with us. We're on the production floor. I mean, for our V2 uh, product that we came out with in July, I literally spent four weekends in a row over on the production floor uh, trying to get our V2 product out in the, uh, on the market. So, yeah, we're, we're fully engaged. All of us uh, spend time, as much as time as we possibly can, in surgery, on the production floor, and with uh, rapid prototyping. Um, you know, there's a lot of disconnect. If you ask a lot of engineers, hey, when was the last time that you're in surgery? Um, they'll tell you, you know, a couple of years, three years. With us, our, our team goes into surgery all the time. That's, it's very, very important for us. Yeah. And so you, you said, I think you had, what, 30 different things in your pipeline, 31? Yep. You've given, you've given us, looks like six different pictures and graphs of, of current projects. It would be really nice if you could do a brief overview. I see the Stingray here, the Breca device, if I'm saying that correctly. If we yep. could go through each of those briefly, uh, because you've given us some fantastic graphics and it looks like yeah. something, each one of those would be something all of us would want to know more about. And like I say, I'd like to go back through, maybe do a podcast for each of those or two at a time or something. Yep. But if we could go through each of those, that would be fantastic. Uh, where sure. we'd like to start, you've got Stingray up here as your your first one you sent us. Got it. So Stingray um, is from an inventor that had a, a unique concept where he wanted a low cogs uh, type of device that would be a contact free, meaning providing a highway or a transportation highway for the implant into the cavity. Um, so this device is a is a sh is a Stingray sheet, if you will. And you fold the tail and you fold the two wings and um, it provides a nice little highway path uh, for the implant into the dissection cavity. Um, the BRCA device is uh, a device that's internal. That's a device that was uh, designed and developed by myself and uh, a couple of my partners. The device has handles on it. It's able to be cut in half and then you have one for the left side of the patient and one for the right side of the patient. The nice thing about that device is that you can open up the handles and then you can pour in the implant into um, that device. 
really providing, again, um, uh, contact-free and a way to handle very large implants. Um, the next device that we have that we're... Hey, Jason? Yeah, go for it. Um, just if I... I'm trying to picture, like as an orthopedist, I'm trying to picture pouring implants. What would you be pouring in there? Got a hammer and get them. And so, oh, what yeah. are we talking about? We're talking about general surgery. We're talking about plastics. We're talking about plastics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like um, a typical breast dog type of case, or okay. uh, perhaps a buttocks implant or a calf implant. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm with you yeah. now. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so a, a typical uh, plastics, cosmetics type of procedures. Okay. Yep. Um, the, the other devices that we have up here is we have an ORCID uh, device, which is a autologous back grafting device that uh, orthopods, plastics could use. The nice thing about the ORCID device is that it can be used in an office setting um okay why why is that important well right now the the typical way of doing fat grafting is you take it on a telfa pad on the back table and it gets a little um gross or disgusting in front of a a patient this particular device provides negative suction on its own and then as the fat and the tumescent and blood and oils come into the product it is able to absorb it in a cavity uh, that has some uh, absorption material. And then you can uh, deploy it back to then inject it back into the patient. So it's a all encompassing uh, type of product for office based settings. So does that eliminate that processing step that I've seen them do on the fat grafting? There's like some big machine that's sort of like chopping it all up or something like that. Yeah, so that that is for the OR. Um, you're talking about a, another device. Our LipoShot device is uh, more, what do you want to call it, like a blender or a chop salad mm -hmm. uh, type uh, machine. Our LipoShot device is a is a 1200cc type of device that accommodates those type of patients in an OR type of setting. Ah, I see. Um, so, so it looks like this other one, the ORCID would be for more smaller things like maybe like Back grafting on the face or something like that. Have I got that correct? Or knees or, or knee. yep, smaller um, areas. Yep. And then the lipo shot I'm looking at here, that would be for, for a, a Brazilian butt lift. Is that accurate? Yeah. Or uh, breast dogs, um, a natural yeah. breast dog. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Yeah. And then we have a number of other, so that, that kind of rounds out our plastics, um, what we're working on. We have a, a, a nano assist project that we're working on that has its four endo type cases. So the the play in the marketplace right now is with the Monarch or the Ion. The Monarch or the Ion are robotic platforms that are driven by remote controls to go into the periphery of the lung. What does that do? That gives physicians the ability to go farther than they've ever done gone before and to reach and diagnose um, lesions farther what you end up having is that doctors are now farther out they've they're seeing things that they've never seen before they're still working with simple biopsy devices that out open close and come back mm -hmm. with our nano assist it's a dual handle 
dual endofector so that doctors can have triangulation and do some type of small nano uh, dissection, cutting, grasping type of capabilities in the far periphery of the lung. That's great. We we have a um, the the next one is we have a a, a general surgeon and ER uh, physician that has developed a, a particular device for combat situations, for ER type of situations, or um, just normal um, you know uh, lap uh, um, uh, abdominal type of cases, where the device and the concept behind it is that. The time and, and effort to put up and attach a Bookwalter type system, is, there is some effort that it goes along with it. And you're always missing some piece to the Bookwalter system. It, I mean, I can't tell you, you guys know, yeah. <laughs> you've seen it before. You're always yeah. missing something, right? So um, that retractor, what's cool about that is it has um, some smaller octopus arms and it has some longer octopus arms. Those octopus arms are silicone in nature. It's a battery operated device uh, or disposable battery operated device where it has retraction capability, automatic deployable retraction capability with some type of ratchet feature on there that you can rapidly deploy a surgical incision very, very quickly. It provides um, smoke evacuation plug-in and then it provides automatic light. And, you know, I, I've been in the space for 20 years, Dr. Cohen, Dr. Brown, I don't, I don't know a single physician that has ever said, Hey, you have too much light in the surgical field. Please turn it down. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard that in my life. Yeah. yeah. So this is, this is different than the plas. I've seen a, when they do like a laparoscopic, a hand assist laparoscopic procedure, there's sure. a device that looks similar to this. It's like a plastic ring with like yep. a rubber type sleeve. So this yep. looks like a, an improvement upon that with the addition of the smoke evacuation, the light and the yep. adjustable nature of it. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. So the Lexus uh, protractor is a great device. Um, I sold a device called protractor, which is the Olympus version of what you're uh, mentioning. Uh, great device, great devices. Um, so this particular device is for larger incisions and it has extra bells and whistles. And then you've got a bra prosthetic mentioned yep. here that that particular um i like showcasing that particular uh device and the reason is is that shows um that device is a lot of software heavy on um what you're what you're doing is you're taking a number of pictures of the anatomy and you're creating a 3d model that you can mm -hmm. plug into a 3d printer and print some type of prosthetic um I don't think it's so much as like a novel idea is in that a lot of people are trying to do something like that. Um, I think it's more of a novel uh, concept of saying, hey, let's take the pictures, scan the pictures and then um, create the prosthetic and then mail that prosthetic to a certain patient. So meaning that they can do it all in the comfort of their home mm -hmm. and then they kind of send it like a you know, like the glasses brand where you, you send it, yeah. you know, you take the pictures, you send it off and then they yeah. get your glasses back in the mail type of thing. So that's what they're um, trying to create. And as prominent as breast cancer is, unfortunately, 
that's necessary, but so nice that someone could do that at, at their in the privacy of their home after having a, had a mastectomy. Exactly. And then we have uh, we have two other devices. Um, we have a really cool device that's um, still in development that um, is an internal device. What <laughs> internal development meaning that, you know, we sit around here, we mess around with uh, various things uh, quite often. And so we were messing around with some devices and we we're just, you know, spitballing and we, we said to each other, well, why can't we take all five of these devices and put it into a suction tip? And uh, physicians use suction tips all the time. I mean, I don't care if you're an ortho doc, if you're an OBGYN, if you're a urologist or general surgeon. Um, so why don't we just create a really cool suction tip that has all these extra, um, you know, uh, uh, doohickeys added onto it, right? And so, yeah, we we Frankensteined uh, the tissue tester. It's still very early on, but it's it's working great. We love the product, and but again, just showing you how fast we can be internally. That's great. Yeah, so and then the, our last yeah, the it just it sounds like the principals in the company, and you've not talked about them. You know, they're very involved, very hands on. Yeah, uh, your engineers, they're very involved. They're going to the OR. I just I think that's. You know, some of the most successful ASCs I've ever worked in, you know, the, the, the person running the center, you know, they'll, they'll scrub in from time to time or they'll, you'll catch them with a right. broom in their hand. And that's, that's right. so important. There's yeah. other centers I've been to that you've never catch them out of their office. It's very right. different. Right. Pretty different. Yeah. So yeah, that's the basic of, uh, what we do here. Um, yeah, I, I openly provide my Calendly on LinkedIn. I provide as much information as I possibly can on LinkedIn so people can catch me there um, and people can book meetings with me. I take all different types of meetings. Uh, I can only tell you how crazy the meetings are. <laughs> Jason, where do, you, where do you see this company in five years, 10 years? You know, someone is going to... Um, we. Um, yeah, there's there's uh, it, someone's going to really uh, want to have this. And, yeah, uh, no, I, apparently, right? Yeah, you going to sell it? Really it. Um, you know, without getting into uh, too much detail, we we are entertaining a couple of um, um, offers right now. Um, you know, I, I don't know, perhaps. Yeah, we'll see. Well, you I mean, got something very valuable. Had some offers before perhaps it seems like we talked and but you decided to push the gas on growth which you've done and yeah i i think growth uh, you know you get to a point where you build something such a huge massive behemoth that um it's providing such a value in the marketplace that uh you know you get to a point where you kind of have to decide like you know, is uh, how much how much money is enough, right? Uh, what we do is we'll have edited this and let our team look at the podcast, and then in a private forum, we decide what to invest in. You're a little bit different because you're not looking for an investment in Vita Group, but you'd be looking for an investment in your individual projects. Um, so that's what we would need to do, don't you think, Jeff? I do, and I think Jason, you you have a, a group of you have a, a group of investors that I think have invested in your projects. 
I think you guys typically put some, some money in these projects. Correct. I think that's probably more of a conversation offline. But um, yeah, I think there's there's certainly um, some ways that, that, that could be synergistic as far as because because yeah, deal access for us is great. You know, we're we're out trying to find the, the best, and um, so this this is exciting. And we we also you know we've we've talked to a few other smaller medical incubators and um, I'm just I'm glad to hear that that um, the way you're structured if, if they if they take a product or a, or an individual as far as they can take them that it's nice to, to know where where they can turn potentially yeah yeah, yeah I, uh, I can already tell you there's some phone calls I'm going to be making and some emails after I get off of this to talk about you <laughs> we uh yeah, we, we just interviewed a guy earlier this week. Uh, you're you're going to want to talk to him, uh, Phil Sales with mm -hmm. uh, Sumate Technologies. They have a technology that they call set mapping for your trays, for your spinal instruments or your orthopedic instruments. And okay. they use a device that is the size of a piece of glitter that maps okay. your tray. It uses a laser interface. And when the tech picks up the screw, the plate, whatever it is, at point of care, it catalog is, catalogs that device being removed and used for the patient, scans a database for recall, for expiration, uh, interfaces with the EMR, and does the billing at the same time. So it, they're in the angel phase, but somebody's going to buy them. And whoever mm -hmm. buys them is going to have a competitive advantage over Stryker or J&J &J or whoever doesn't have this because their system will save hospitals millions of dollars improve patient care as a rep you'll understand you're not doing any more inventory because your inventory is in real time right and right. your audit that you have to do every year it's done in real time no more so i mm -hmm. I'm sound like i'm doing a pitch for Subate technologies but we were we were really impressed with this guy's project and it's early stage they're not at commercialization yet but it would it would be something you guys would want to talk about i would think I'm just yeah. an anesthesiologist, but I can see the synergy there. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're, we're happy to talk through what we could either, you know, do from a development phase or perhaps, uh, you know, contract manufacturing or regulatory or, or um, yeah, it, it's it, we could help um, however we can. Absolutely. So John Boone has got some interesting things going. You may not be able to speak to that i don't know um how yeah long it is but the the camera in the ear deal i can probably say that much at least can i yeah um he has a great project we're working on um the nice thing about dr boone is he's very involved with the the large strategics and so you know from our end it's it's great because we get that that upfront access to the large players in the marketplace and and what's good, I can say this about Dr. Boone, is that he's in, he's coming up with devices that uh, provide an impact for the patients uh, immediately, right? So um, he's seeing in the future of what needs to be done, and then he's coming up with devices that are meet, meeting some of the future technology that's coming out, which is really important you know that's that some of our projects are the exact same way like for example nano assist nano assist is the exact same 
we, 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 you know, I was part of the robotics that were going to frontiers that were never done before. And we were creating a device to meet the new technology that's out in the marketplace. It's the same thing for Dr. Boone. He's, he sees where it's going and he's creating devices for those next futuristic devices that are coming on the marketplace, which is, which is awesome. I mean, you're, you're kind of ahead of the curve. Well, Jason, I, I'm really glad we've talked. I think Vita Group checks all the boxes for us. I mean, the things you're doing help patients, they help physicians, they improve efficiency, they reduce costs and improve patient care. Um, for our potential investors, it may make them money, which nothing wrong with that either. Um, the world needs people like you doing a lot of good things yeah. for people. You know, we appreciate you being here. I don't know what else we would cover. This is the time of the podcast where I ask all the guests if there's anything else that they'd like to share uh, with our, our listeners and our viewers. I enjoyed hearing your background. That's it's, it's you just you never know that until you ask the question. And that's. Uh, it's really, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Bad. I I had a couple of um, major surgeries in my life, so I knew I wanted to be in medical. But like I had 13 surgeries on my tip fib fracture that ended up being compartment syndrome when I was little. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I lost movement in my ankle, my toes, all that kind of stuff, my right leg. I had, you know, two um, uh, small ball uh, surgeries when I was little. So, yeah, I mean, I, I always knew I wanted to be in medical, but um, um, I enjoy being in it now because there was significant things that were missed when again for compartment syndrome it was missed and obviously put a huge you know uh hurt me um a lot and so you know there's that is kind of a calling i mean it is it is you know you want to provide an impact i mean yeah that's awesome i love it was that was that hockey skiing or soccer man soccer soccer <laughs> i know right wow yeah so absolutely brutal. I do dual fasciotomies on either side. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. just brutal, how old man. were you when that happened? Sixteen. That's traumatic. Did you lose yeah. any muscle? Did you lose much muscle? Oh yeah, dude. I can't. Ah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I still play soccer. I play three times a week. You know, uh, some of the guys from uh, engineers and us are going to go play today. That's um, the end of our podcast. I'm with Jason Share. He is the COO of Vita Group. They take a medical device from back of the napkin to commercialization. And uh, thanks for being with us, Jason. This has been great. Yeah, thanks for having me. I traveled to Minnesota as a young man, and I didn't know it got warm enough there to play Frisbee. <laughs> Obviously so. Or you're just really cold tolerant because I wasn't having it. Yeah. All right.